Hello everybody, and welcome back to Straight Outta Klein 2.0 with me, your host, of course, Joseph Dylan Tarl. Feels like a while since I've said that. And it also feels good to say it again. Admittedly, I didn't think I'd be recording an episode in this format again. I thought that the next time you would hear an episode of Straight Outta Klein 2.0 would have been from the new format that is still coming very, very soon with me and Alex. So I am here to provide a little bit of an update on that, a couple of things that have been going on with me, and a couple of things that are very exciting that are in the very, very near future, including this weekend's RCW show, Rebel County Dogs, let's get to work, let's go to work, I can't remember what the phrase is. Here's a bit of a confession, I've never seen the film Reservoir Dogs, never. Well, not in its entirety at least, I do remember my stepdad watching it god maybe seven or eight years ago and i like glanced at it as i was walking past and i've obviously seen like a lot of the iconic stuff from it and i I know a lot of the phrases and whatnot but i've never actually sat down and watched the entire movie so who knows might even decide to do that before saturday night's show because why the hell not but i do have that coming up and there's a lot of news i think to talk about in terms of the wrestling world and the wider world itself a lot of things that uh i've been doing on The After Dark episodes, which uh, I'm going to peel back the curtain here a little bit. So, a lot of you on here will be familiar with Paul Rigg, my uh, best friend of over 25 years at this stage. Sorry, over 20 years, I should say. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we've pretty much known each other our whole lives, so, yeah, 25 years, you could say. But I was doing this thing where I would give him a bonus episode after I would put up the Spotify show, and I would call it Straight Outta Klein After Dark. Now, that used to just be a voice note on WhatsApp. That has now evolved into me literally recording the episodes the same way I would record a Spotify episode and I send it over to Porig and it's literally just stuff that I talk about with him. So he gets a lot of the insider scoop. But there have been a number of topics I've discussed to Porig that I wouldn't mind discussing on here because a lot has been happening in the world of, well, the wider world itself. Obviously I mentioned the world of wrestling and the world of Joseph Dylan Turl. So maybe let's start with that first and let's address the the future of the show yet again. So I know a few people and, you know, it was actually quite nice to hear from some people who I didn't even know were listening to this show telling me that, oh yeah, we heard that like the, the show is changing. Like, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the crack there? Like, when's that going to happen? So it's been nice to hear that people are actually, excuse me, interested in it and actually, you know, engaging with it. So yeah, me and Alex have been talking about a couple of things. Admittedly, the scheduling has been the toughest part right now just because I've had a busy, busy time with, you know, stuff like uh, the workplace. I've been uh, dealing with a bit of an injury, which I have kind of alluded to on here recently enough. And I will go uh, a little bit deeper into that because there's there's a bit of an update. It's not a worrying one, but it's definitely something that I'm going to have to keep uh, looking after, shall we say. And also... I think that uh, it's just a case of I want the show to be as good as it possibly can be before. I want everything to be prepared before it has its first episode. Now, I was in two minds about whether I stop this show and start up another one. But I've decided that the podcast Straight Outta Chloe 2.0 that you're listening to right now, this is the one we're just going to continue with because... We may as well. We already have an established brand here. And I was actually saying it to Alex as well that like... The 2.0 just feels, it, it feels wrong just saying straight out of Klein. If I don't say straight out of Klein 2.0 or straight out of Klein after dark, it just sounds wrong. And I don't really want to have to go with 3.0 because that just sounds like, okay, you're taking the piss here now a small bit. But yeah, we're just going to continue on here. And 
hopefully by the end of this month, we will have the first episode out. If not, it'll be early October. I can guarantee you that. So, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned in the meantime. But I'm like, look, I'm paying for the bloody, the bloody subscription for RSS. I may as well get an episode out whilst whilst I have it. In terms of the injury, so you, if you listened to the, um, what's it called, the watch-along that I did for RCW's last show, I did talk about a little bit of a shoulder injury. Uh, sorry if you heard, the mic sounded a bit weird there. I need to bring my fan a bit closer here because it is absolutely baking in this room. Bear with me a second. Right, there we go. That was really annoying. Fucking hell, it's quite warm. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, and at the time of recording, we have been told that there is a weather warning for the next couple of days. So Thursday and Friday, but it's a matter of uh, a heat weather warning and not the usual shite weather we get in Ireland. So that should be interesting, considering that uh, we are getting very close to the winter. But uh, I can't remember the point I was just making. Oh, about my injury. So if you listened to the watch along or if you tuned into the watch along for the RCW's last show, I did talk about some pain I was experiencing in my shoulder. And the pain in my shoulder is actually stemming from a pain I've had in my neck for quite some time. And it was quite interesting when I had Eddie Nero, or Ryan Bell on here, a few weeks ago, when he was talking about his neck issues and, uh, and you know, the, the tingling he would get in his arm and, um, and, you know, some of the symptoms he would get from it. I've actually been experiencing those symptoms for a little while now. And funnily enough, uh, at the time of recording, I'm a little bit on edge because... I did see a spider in my room the other day. And it was so annoying, right? It was the first time in my life where I actually stayed calm. I was like, there's a spider near my door. He's pretty big. But you know what? I'm in control of this situation. Now, to go back a little bit further before I tell the end of that story, there had been another spider in my room the, uh, the couple of days before. And he was a little bit out of my reach. And I am someone who is an arachnophobe. So I had to get somebody else who was in the house to deal with the situation. But yesterday, or last night, I was going to deal with the situation. So I picked up my shoe, felt really confident, and I was like, sorry little guy, time to meet your maker. But the grip in my hand, my right hand to be exact, is not as strong as the grip in my left hand. And I dropped the shoe... And the little fucker scurried away. And I swear to God, he vanished into thin air. I saw him go down to the ground and he was gone. Like I couldn't see him. So I think spiders are magicians. I think spiders are actual magicians because this motherfucker literally just vanished. But the point there being, uh, the grip in my right hand isn't great at the moment. And I've had some tingling in my hands and I've also had a shooting pain like a sharp shooting pain going down my right arm now this is not something new this is something that's actually been going on for a while but it was something that hadn't been too bad for the last couple of years it was funny because I mentioned to uh, to someone recently about a funny story after our first week of college we had a big night out and I remember I was in a taxi on the way back and when we were coming up to my house, you know, sometimes when you wake up and you kind of get a bit startled. I had that experience. And as I startled, my neck, I something in my neck just felt really off. And I couldn't feel anything down my right side for, for, for a considerable amount of time. And it was quite, I thought I was paralyzed. I could not move my right arm at all. Or I could move very little on my right side. And 
yeah, it goes back to a neck injury I would have suffered back in 2019. I had a bit of a fall, <laughs> which uh, hurt my neck. And uh, yeah, some of those symptoms have been coming up again as of late, which means that I actually haven't been doing any jujitsu for the last few weeks. I did go back for one session after uh, the RCW show, and I actually felt pretty good. But then a couple of days later, the symptoms kind of started showing again, and it's been a little bit kind of worrying in, in terms of like, how serious is this? But I've been uh, doing some exercises. I've been taking care of myself, which has been kind of good. And uh, hopefully I will be on the mend. Well, I am on the mend, but hopefully I'll be back to at least close to normality in the not too distant uh, future. I didn't really want to risk too much before this weekend's RCW show because I love refereeing wrestling shows. And RCW, like, listen, I want a referee in as many places as I, as I possibly can. Absolutely no question about that. But RCW is my home. Of course, Phoenix Wrestling initially is where I started, but Rebel County Wrestling is something I, I really feel like, and I hope I'm not like, you know, sounding big-headed here, but I really do feel like part of the furniture. I've literally refereed every single match in the history of Rebel County Wrestling, and that's something that doesn't get lost on me, how cool that is. And this weekend, we've we've got a two former WWE superstars, Mark Andrews and Tucker, who will be appearing at the show, and that's something I'm very, very excited about. Two guys who I've literally watched on my TV screen, and I will be, I'll be actually be refereeing their matches. Obviously, last year Scotty Tuhati was part of the last uh, Phoenix Wrestling show, but uh, of course I didn't referee his match. That was uh, Foxy, the great man himself, who uh, refereed that match. Uh, I hope I get to work with Foxy again soon. Really, really do hope so. Uh, to peel back the curtain a little bit, I have been in talks with people from Hard Knocks Pro Wrestling. We are trying to uh, organize a few matches for me to referee on a show coming up soon, which is great because it's a promotion that I think is doing some big things at the moment, and it's a good chance to see some guys I haven't seen for a while. And it's a great chance to reconnect with Foxy, because working with Foxy is something that uh, never gets lost on me how cool that is, because he's so knowledgeable, such a fucking great guy as well. Uh, the best referee in Europe, without a doubt. He will be signed by... He'll be signed by someone one day. He 100% will. And uh, that's why I want to make sure I get to learn as much from him, uh, I, I, you know, as long as he's here, because... I think a lot of the people who are on the Irish scene at the moment, we got to appreciate them while they're around because they are making some serious waves. LJ Cleary, another guy who I think it's only going to be a matter of time before we see him over in the States, whether it's WWE or AEW, whatever it is. Like He is someone who is going to be wrapped up, uh, wrapped up, snapped up very, very soon. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that because I know something. I think it's just anyone with eyes who understands wrestling will know that LJ Cleary is somebody who's uh, destined for greatness in the business and I don't think it'll be too long before he's under contract with somebody uh, with somebody in the very near future but yeah anyways to get back onto uh, the injury it's been it's been feeling a bit better in terms of like I've been doing some exercises that have definitely released a bit of the pressure off my neck I do need to listen I need to get an MRI that's that's the kind of uh, heads and tails of it it's just that I remember Kurt Angle saying before when he was talking about his neck issues that he's been putting off like a major surgery for such a long time. Like to this day, he's still putting off the surgery. And I was always kind of there thinking, would you not just like, get it done? Like just to have it over and done with. And here I am avoiding an MRI because I'm afraid to see what the results are. And, you know, 
what the medical advice might be. But listen, it's nowhere near as serious as what Kurt Angle's injury was. Absolutely fucking nowhere near as serious. I wouldn't even say it's as bad as what Ryan's was. It's just a case of... Uh, I, I think if I keep doing these exercises and maybe go to see a chiropractor, it should be fine. It's like... I don't, my neck's not broken or anything. I think there's just... There's definitely something going on in there that needs to be sorted. I think it might just be a case of maybe a disc might have slightly slipped or, you know, uh, there's a trapped nerve or something that maybe just needs to be adjusted a bit. Whatever it might be, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the update on that. But uh, feeling good at the moment. I am feeling good. I just didn't want to risk anything too much when, when it started to feel like it was... It felt like it was going to be a bit of a serious problem. But thankfully... I've been I've been doing well uh, since I started looking after myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's funny. I mentioned Hard Knocks Pro Wrestling there. I originally was supposed to referee a show out in Cashel a couple of weeks ago. It was actually the same day as uh, All In at Wembley. Unfortunately, due to the weather, the show got cancelled, which was a shame. But uh, it was good to know that that opportunity was there. So you can expect to see me in Hard Knocks Pro Wrestling very, very, very soon, which I'm looking forward to. But uh, yeah, I just I touched on All In there, which is something I... Let, let's get All In on All In and AEW and CM Punk because I've been quite vocal on here uh, recently and we'll say over the last maybe 18 months that AEW is not something I'm particularly a huge fan of. I, I remember that the whole... Like when they began and when all the hype was kind of leading up to those first shows and... They had, like, do Double or Nothing, and they had... What are the shows that they have, um, like, before they started doing weekly TV? You know, all the pay-per-views they were doing before they started week-to-week TV. Like, that was such a special time in pro wrestling, and it was a very, very exciting time. And those shows were absolutely phenomenal, and it really did get you excited about the fact that WWE were going to have a pretty serious competitor for the first time in years since, you know, WCW. And I really, really enjoyed it. I thought during the pandemic, Dynamite was one of my favorite shows to watch. And then obviously fans came back into the arena. That was really exciting as well. Obviously not just for U- for AEW, but for WWE and you know UFC and every single you know wrestling or MMA promotion out there, and obviously other sports as well. And then obviously CM Punk came back. And I thought everything leading up to CM Punk coming back and everything from Punk coming back all the way up to the match with Darby Allen at All Out in Chicago back in 2021 was absolutely phenomenal. It really, really was. And I felt like after that, there was a bit of a disconnect and I kind of tuned out a little bit. And then I started hearing a lot of things about what was happening behind the scenes in AEW, which was a bit like, hmm... Like, the thing is, right, even though I probably didn't realize it for such a long time, or maybe, not that I didn't realize it, but I didn't admit it, I am a WWE guy. I just am. I am 100% a WWE guy. It doesn't mean I don't like other promotions. I absolutely do. But WWE is my bread and butter. It is my favorite promotion. I think it's the best promotion. It's obviously the biggest promotion. And it's the one that gets me the most excited, and it gives me the most enjoyment. It's just me. That's just me. Although a lot of people, I, I know a lot of people who share that sentiment. But AEW was always something that I, I wanted to give a chance. But I, I started to lose interest a little bit. And the more these backstage things were coming out, the less interested I was. Now obviously we had the whole thing happen last year at All Out. 
brawl out as it, was, as it was called so that press conference with Tony Khan that infamous press conference I actually watched it again the other day just because I hadn't seen it since it happened because obviously that weekend was Clash of the Castle as well obviously me and Alex were over there in Wales for Clash of the Castle absolutely phenomenal few days away one of the best trips I probably my favourite trip abroad that I've ever had and even if you want like do you count Wales as abroad I suppose technically you do but you get what I mean but I remember on the way back watching that press conference of Punk and Tony Khan. I'd obviously seen a lot of people talking about it online. And I was just like bewildered. And I was kind of like just, I was just thinking like if that was Triple H in Tony Khan's seat or if that was Vince McMahon, this wouldn't even be happening. This would not be happening. But Tony Khan just sat there and let CM Punk talk like that. Now, Punk obviously had a lot of frustrations and I'm not saying he didn't have a reason to feel that frustrated. But you know, quite disparaging when you're next to the to your boss and the guy who runs the company and who writes the paychecks and obviously punk got suspended for a bit a long a long while then he made his return on the first episode of collision which was the first time i tuned into AEW for quite some time and i watched it and i was like yeah listen it was kind of you know interesting i dug the the set i dug the you know the nitro inspired logo i thought that was pretty cool and I was like, yeah, I'll give credit where credit's due. This, this is pretty cool. And I did actually watch the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Now, the thing with Forbidden Door, right? This is one thing I will give AEW. When it comes to for- Forbidden Door and, you know, quality wrestling, that pay-per-view is up there with the best of them. I think Forbidden Door is a great chance to maybe not focus so much in on storylines, even though I think that is such an important part of wrestling. But if you just want to watch some incredible wrestling for three hours yeah forbidden door is a great show because it's taking some of the best wrestlers from north america putting them up against some of japan's greatest as well and i think it's 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 a fun time all around and it was in canada canadian crowds are always great like it was it was the perfect it was it was the perfect setup for a show and i was like yeah like really enjoyed that thought it was really cool and obviously i knew all in was on the horizon of wembley now i actually was uh, invited to go with a group of friends But I opted not to, for two reasons. One, I didn't think I was actually going to be in Ireland at the time. I had a different trip planned, which unfortunately didn't exactly go to to plan. And secondly, there was just a part of me that was like, I don't really want to go. Like, I didn't watch it live, uh, because I came back to... I came back home after being in Cork, expecting to be going to Cashel, but then finding out that it was cancelled. I watched a bit of the football and then I was just, I was honestly just too tired and I ended up just nodding off. But I remember um, watching the, I watched it as, the, as you know, the days went on. I started tuning into it, but obviously we'd all heard about the news of CM Punk at this stage. And there was just something, it didn't feel like a stadium show. It didn't feel like a stadium show. Now, from the the reaction I've seen from the from the people who I know who went over there, it was a fun show to go to. And listen, I think when you're there, it's different. I think you can go to a wrestling show, and even if it's not like the best wrestling show in the world, you can still get some enjoyment out of it. Being there is different to watching it on TV. So I'm not like going to put down anybody's experience who was actually there. But with that said, I was watching it just kind of going, this just doesn't feel as big as it, as it could. Like, this is the first, excuse me, pro wrestling show at Wembley since 1992. So that's 31 years. But it doesn't feel like... It didn't feel like how WrestleMania feels. It didn't feel like how WWE would book a stadium show. 
And I think Eric Bischoff put it really well. It was an indie show on steroids. That's probably the best way to describe it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But the only match that I was like, I'm really fucking enjoying this, was the coffin match. Sting and Darby Allen against the guys they were wrestling against. For some reason, I can't even remember who the hell they were bloody against. It was Christian and somebody else. <laughs> but that was that was quite fun. But listen, I love Sting. Sting is somebody who I've admired for so many years. He's one of the biggest reasons I got into professional wrestling in the first place. And I'll always, no matter where Sting is, I'll always tune in to see him. The main event I thought was, was good. MJF and Adam Cole. You know, fair play to them for from going to the kickoff show to the main event like that that's not an easy thing to do but with that said I don't think that was a, that that for me was a, not the best thing to do like your two main event guys on your first ever stadium show in fucking Wembley and you have them on the zero hour match which is AEW's pre-show or kickoff whatever you want to call it the the, the, the prelims as, as people would say in mixed martial arts that kind of just like no like the first time you should be seeing your two main event stars on any big show is when they're in the main event not on the pre-show so that made me kind of go hmm that's not uh, something that I, I, I would like to see like if WWE did that I would be very critical but they don't do that so I mean okay they did it with Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30 but with that said I think that story made more sense you know, Daniel Bryan who was obviously feuding with the authority Randy Orton and Batista was was the main event that, you know, fans obviously rebelled against. So it was like Daniel Bryan has to wrestle Triple H in order to earn a spot in the main event. You know what? I, I think you know there's always an exception to the rule. And listen, you know, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I didn't really like... But at least with Daniel Bryan, he was on the opening match of the main card. He wasn't on the fucking pre-show. You know, so it's it's slightly different. But, you know, whatever. So they, they had the Ring of Honor tag team title match, and then they had the, the main event match for the for the... For the AEW title. Good match. But like I wasn't like blown away by it. Uh, Jericho and Osprey was decent. Uh, the women's match I thought was okay. The Young Bucks and FTR was was good. Like there wasn't necessarily anything bad on it. But I just wasn't blown away by the show. And yeah like it was what it was. But then. You know after all this kind of. Uh, the, the preluding to what I'm about to talk about. We, we found out about the whole CM Punk situation backstage. Now. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but the thought of CM Punk <laughs> lunging himself at wide-eyed Tony Khan is an image that I think I speak for us all when I say, show us the sexy footage. <laughs> I want to see that. And then Tony Khan comes out with the statement after firing CM Punk to say that he'd never felt uh, that his life had ever been in danger at a wrestling show before until then. I'm paraphrasing there, but he did say the words that his... Or say something along the lines of his life was in danger. And it's like, dude, like CM Punk, listen, uh, it didn't work out for him in the UFC, but he still trained with one of the greatest martial arts coaches of all time and a great kickboxer in Duke Rufus. And he's a jiu-jitsu blue belt. So like, you know, Punk, I'm sure, can handle himself in a lot of situations outside the UFC. But like with that said, do you really think CM Punk was going to murder Tony Khan? And it's just a fucking mess of a situation. And I think that as much as people want to blame CM Punk, and I think he definitely does deserve a bit of the blame, I think AEW have handled this absolutely horrendously. And I always say this, WWE is run like a business, and that's why it runs so well. AEW feels like 
you know, you know, I think people have called Tony Khan this before. He, he's he's a fan with cash, a mark with cash. I don't really like using the term mark, but you know, that that's what people have said. And as I said earlier, Vince McMahon would not have let that happen. Triple H wouldn't have let that happen. If we go over to mixed martial arts, Dana White definitely would have not let that happen to the extent that Tony Khan let it happen. And, you know, we're left to this situation now where a lot of people are unhappy. I know uh, Tony Khan came out on Collision the same night of Payback and got very heavily booed by the Chicago crowd. Obviously, CM Punk, a very proud Chicago native. And he looked like a deer in the headlights, Tony Khan. And it was like he didn't know how to, like, react to this. Like, he was surprised that he was getting this reaction. Vince would have seen money there and would have been like, I'm going to go out and cut a heel promo. I mean, look back when, when CM Punk walked out in 2014 and Raw was going to be in Chicago not too long after that. And Paul Heyman came out to CM Punk's music and geniusly made it a promo for the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match. Like, that's that's the promo I'm going to play at the end of this episode. I already know it, just to, to give a spoiler. Like, what a great promo that was. I'm surprised I never thought of that one already, but... When you hear it, like, it's just a great way of taking a real-life situation where the crowd were about to hijack the show and for him to go, he's gone because of all of you. You took CM Punk away from me, so I'm taking the streak from you when Brock Lesnar defeats The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. It's such a brilliantly laid-out promo, and Paul Heyman is just one of the absolute, just greatest minds professional wrestling has ever seen. Like, that's no, that's not breaking news, that's no secret, but I just feel like I have to reiterate that a bit here because... It's just, it's it, like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. But uh, yeah, the CM Punk situation definitely could have been handled a lot better by Punk. But AEW definitely had to uh, have to look at themselves and think they created a lot of that mess. Like, I mean, Collision, from what we hear, like that, that show was made for CM Punk so that he could be taken away from the elite, who obviously he had issues with from the previous year. Obviously, what led to the... the to brawl in at Wembley was Jack Perry. Now, I will say this, right? Jack Perry sounds like a bit of a fucking idiot. Using real glass in that fucking match instead of, you know, prop glass, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I know the company approved it, but for me, that's a very bad reflection on the company. Like, CM Punk saying to Jack Perry, hey, lad, maybe don't use real glass. I don't think Punk is wrong for that. But people in AEW seem to go into business for themselves an awful lot. And Punk is no exception to that. And it's just a bit of a fucking train wreck. I did try to watch All In. Sorry, not All In. All Out in Chicago. I wasn't in Chicago, obviously. I was watching it at home. There was two things put me off of it. One, the card didn't look that exciting. Secondly, I got a glimpse of big steroid-taking cunt himself, Kevin Matthews, who works backstage for AEW now. The biggest douchebag I've ever come across in the world of professional wrestling. And I hope he hears this, because Kevin Matthews, you are indeed a douchebag. And he's got a very strange body type as well. Like, not that I'm, like, calling people out for, like, how they're shaped or whatever, but he's just got a very odd body. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a reflection of the amount of steroids he's taking. But anyways, I digress. Kevin Matthews is the biggest piece of shit I've ever met. Well, I didn't actually meet him. It was just the interaction I had with him. That that's, that's a very funny story that, funnily enough, actually involves CM Punk. And if you haven't heard it, then I'm sure you can dig deep into the archives. Or maybe I'll tell the story in a little bit. Whatever. We'll see. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I got kind of bored. Um, 
the card didn't really inspire me and it was like eh, you know I don't really think I want to watch this any longer but whatever whatever obviously Payback was the same weekend Payback was a fucking great show Finn Balor becoming uh, the first Irish Grand Slam champion if memory is serving me correctly yes he is because Sheamus has never won the IC title so Finn has been a Universal Champion a Tag Champion a US Champion an Intercontinental Champion and even an NXT Champion I know that doesn't really count towards the Grand Slam side of things but still it's it's still worth mentioning so that was really cool in a great match Finn and Damian Priest against Sammy and Kevin Owens one of my favourite matches this year Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus had a great match that was really good Seth or, uh, yeah, Seth Rollins and Shinsuke in the main event Absolutely phenomenal, as you would expect. Uh, LA Knight and The Miz was a lot of fun with John Cena as the special guest referee. So no complaints there from the best professional wrestling company in the world, World Wrestling Entertainment, WWE. So that was, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff happening in the background there as, uh, you know, as these shows were going on. Do I think CM Punk could potentially end up in WWE? That, of course, is a possibility. We're hearing some things that, you know, he was in talks to potentially come back for the Royal Rumble 2023, uh, which obviously would have been back in January. I mean, I'm glad it didn't happen then because apparently he wanted to main event night one of WrestleMania with Kevin Owens. Now, that sounds pretty fun, but I think with the storyline Kevin Owens was involved in at the time, he was very heavily involved in the Bloodline storyline around around this time period. I don't think it would have been worth stopping that just for CM Punk. I really don't. So maybe you can do it afterwards fine but you know i don't think that would have been the right time to do it but anyways whatever there is obviously talk of you know maybe survivor series cm punk makes an appearance it is in chicago illinois so listen never say never listen stranger things have happened bruno sammartino came back the ultimate warrior came back a lot of people come back that you don't ever expect to see and i don't think cm punk is necessarily an exception to that rule he you know, he was at Raw not too long ago where he had a brief discussion with Triple H and, and Vince McMahon, so maybe the, the hatchet has been buried a little bit there. We'll see. We'll see. You know, I think that if, if they if they can make if they can make amends and if they can, you know, put the personal animosities aside for the sake of business, why not? There's a lot of exciting matches there. CM Punk and Roman Reigns. CM Punk and Seth Rollins, which would be kind of interesting because you know, Seth Rollins not too long ago said that he would not like to see CM Punk back in WWE and was very, very vocal on why he didn't want that to happen. Called him a cancer to the locker room. And that could be interesting there. Like in wrestling, sometimes it's very hard to, to know whether people are, are working you or are they shooting. But I mean, Seth and Matt Riddle don't exactly see eye to eye, but they've had some incredible matches, which uh, were, I mean, I saw one of them live at Clash of the Castle. So I think in WWE, people are willing to put the the personal stuff aside in order to, you know, make money and, and put on great matches for the fans. So, you know, CM Punk and Kevin Owens is another one I mentioned there. There's lots of, uh, you know, different opportunities there for them to make, to, you know, to do business and, and, and to uh, to make some history. But we'll see. We'll see. CM Punk and Cody Rhodes, like the, the possibilities are endless. It all kind of comes down to the fact whether WWE want to visit that and whether Punk would want to do that himself. We'll see. We'll see. There's been lots of other news in the world of football as well. Obviously, the Premier League has uh, started again. As a United fan, I am very, very disappointed with our start of the season. Even the two games we won were quite stressful. The terrible performance against Wolves. The 
shocking first half performance against Nottingham Forest that ended up being a decent comeback. But you know what? I was saying it to uh, Chris Connolly. Shout out to uh, Chris Connolly from RCW, who's a Nottingham Forest fan. That Because uh, we were supposed to meet up to travel to the show together in Cashel. And he was like, oh, I swear to God, if I hear one word now about the, the result today, you'll be walking home. And I said to him, like, I mean, I'm happy we won, but, like, the performance was just so depressing. Like, to go 2-0 down to Nottingham Forest inside three minutes, or whatever it was, and struggle to get back into the game. And, listen, Forest have had a very good start to the season. I think they'll have a very good season, um, you know, with, with the players they've brought in. I think Steve Cooper's a great manager, but I, I just think that... It, it wasn't an, a performance to get too excited about. It really, really wasn't. And uh, it definitely left me feeling a little bit like, hmm, that's kind of depressing. <laughs> that's kind of depressing that, uh, you know, <laughs> we we had to struggle to get back into a game against Nottingham Forest. And, you know, and also they were down to 10 men. Uh, obviously, we lost our two games in North London to Spurs and to Arsenal. Okay, VAR decisions maybe, you know, interfere with that or whatever. But still, I just think that, you know, the way it trans... Listen, a lot of people on TikTok, because I make a lot of football videos on TikTok, have been asking me about what, you know... I've got I've gotten so many requests to talk about the situation with the ownership. And I always say, I'm not going comment to f- comment on it until something is confirmed. Because other than that, we'll be going round and round in circles saying the same thing over and over again. And I don't really feel like doing that. Obviously, the whole Mason Greenwood situation was taking place as well. I think United could not have handled it worse. They could not have handled it worse. The ultimate decision, I think, was the right one to make. Obviously, he's now gone out on loan to Getafe. I, you know... It's such a fucking head-scratcher of a situation when it comes to the fact that we saw the audio, we heard... Sorry, we heard the audio, we saw the images. It, You know, it was very, very clear to see what was after happening. United then started briefing people that he was going to come back. There was a huge backlash to this protest outside of Old Trafford. This then led to United making a bit of a U-turn, but then they also said that they're confident he didn't accuse the actions that he was accused of, or he didn't he didn't commit the actions he was accused of, I should say. And they're still letting him go. Like, it just was a very, very odd way of dealing with it. Now there's obviously a situation with Anthony. He's had some allegations thrown at him. All I'm going to say about the Anthony situation is that there isn't any damning evidence as of yet. I know people are saying that all oh, the images have been leaked uh, in regards to that situation. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not as disparaging as the Mason Greenwood ones are. And that's not me saying that Anthony is innocent and that, you know, that I'm not sticking up for him by any stretch of the imagination. But with that said... There's definitely it, it, there's definitely more precaution needs to be taken with this one because right now it is just an allegation and there's not there's not damning evidence as I say like there is like that like there was at Mason Greenwood so yeah it's it, you know one normal day at Manchester United is all I ask for one fucking normal day that's all I ask but sometimes I feel like that's too much to ask so yeah I think the sale is inevitable when it's going to happen I don't know that's why I don't comment on it because I feel like it's just going to be going round and round in circles and to be honest with you it just depresses me a lot of the time so I choose not to talk about it we'll talk about it when it seems like no not when it seems like it's going to be confirmed we'll talk about it when it is confirmed there that's my final statement on that and yeah that's kind of all the crack lads it's been good to talk on here again 
Um, you know, I did get somebody reach out to me recently about uh, an acting course that has popped up in Cork, which some people might be familiar with. So obviously I did the level five acting for stage and screen course back in 2021, 2022. The, one of the greatest experiences of my life with some of the most just fucking awesome people I've ever met. And I, even now talking about it, I get a little bit emotional because it was just such a beautiful experience. But there has been a level six course added onto this level five course. And let me just say that I think if I went back now, it wouldn't be the same. I think that that was such a beautiful chapter of my life that I was glad to experience and that I'm so proud of and I would relive it all in a heartbeat. I don't think it's something I need to revisit. What I can say about the acting side of things is that I am actually currently writing something. And I'm looking forward to sharing more information about that as time goes on. But I'm still going to keep that pretty close to my chest for now. But watch this space when it comes to that. I've got a lot of ideas that I have been working on lately. Especially when dealing with an injury, it's kept me sane working on these ideas. And I look forward to sharing them with you in the very, hopefully very near future, but... I mean, to be honest with you, it could be. It could be a year from now. I, I, I say the very near future. It could be a year from now. It could be two years from now. Who knows? But that is something that's going on in the background right now. And watch this space when it comes to that. But the acting course uh, for the level six in CSN, I thought about it, of course. But I, I don't think it's an avenue I'm going to be going down. But uh, best of luck to those who decide to go down that avenue. And uh, yeah, I think it's great that that option is there because... Let's just say that if that option had been there directly after the level 5 course uh, that I completed, it's possible I might have considered it. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what the future... Never say never. Never say never. But it's not an avenue I'm going to be looking to go down right now. And there we go, lads. It's been nice to get on here again with a little bit of an update. I just said, fuck it, I've got nothing else to do tonight. Why not uh, just get into some of the... uh, the things I've been talking about on the After Dark episode uh, with Porig and get them out into the world of Spotify to let them know what my opinion is on everything because that's what you all care about. I'm obviously joking. But no, it is great to be, to be on here again. I'm looking forward to uh, this becoming a two-man show with Alex. Uh, stay tuned for more updates on that. And yeah, I'll leave you with this classic Paul Heyman pro wrestling promo which was uh, absolutely phenomenally done. Jesus Christ, and I brought up my fucking dinner there again. That was disgusting. I do apologize. But yeah, good to be talking to you all again. I will speak to you all again in the very near future. And for now, as I say, enjoy this Paul Heyman promo. Thanks for listening. Speak to you in a bit. Somebody mentioned CM Punk earlier on. I know you guys are really good friends. And I wondered, when you came out on Raw in Chicago in March 2014, and everybody wondered was CM Punk going to come back or not, and you came out to his music and cut the promo, was that difficult for you to do? No. No. Because I knew I had an opportunity to do something that no one else could do. You know, here's the the humble part of, of this business. The, the, the humble part of this business, the punk, no, no. I'll tell you how that happened. Yeah. Vince McMahon did not know about the fact that there was a move to quote unquote hijack Monday Night Raw. And the entire show was laid out, just including a Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman promo. And about 90 minutes before the show went on the air, I went to Vince and I said, are you? 
of what we're facing here just weeks before WrestleMania? And I showed them on my phone just a sampling of what we were about to face on that show. That it was the determination of a very passionate crowd in a very passionate city to take over that show and heckle the show for three full hours chanting the name CM Punk. Yeah. Now, Punk and I have seen this industry in very similar ways for a long time. The industry moves forward without you. The industry moved forward without Bruno San Martino. The industry moved forward without Bob Backlund. The industry moved forward without Hulk Hogan. The industry moved forward without Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. The industry, hey, in the past year, John Cena, who, I mean, has, has pulled this wagon, has been the man in WWE for 15 years. John Cena made fewer appearances than he ever has on any given year that he has since 2002. The company moves on. Company was going to move on without Brock Lesnar. Company's going to move on without Paul Heyman. Company's going to move on without Roman Reigns. And guess what? Company's going to move on one day without Vince McMahon. It just is. And, and, and if it doesn't move forward, then what have we built? We built something that means nothing because if it, if it revolves around one person being involved, we're screwed. It can't revolve around one person. So Punk was gone. And the audience was going to hijack the show. And I said, hey, our object is to promote Brock Lesnar versus The Undertaker. Well, last year, CM Punk lost to The Undertaker. And that was the beginning of the downward spiral of CM Punk and Paul Heyman, because it all fell apart after that. And I'm going to blame it all on the fans, because they took Punk away from me. And you know also I blame besides the fans? I blame The Undertaker. And I'm going to teach The Undertaker a lesson. How? Because since he led the fans of taking Punk away from me, being the asshole that I am, I'm going to take the streak away from him. And how do I take the streak away from him? Brock Lesnar. So how do I set it up? I more, that's right, because I'm an asshole. Not as much as you are for yelling that out, but I am an asshole. So I said, let me fuck with him. I just want to go out there and fuck with him. Uh, damn it, man, what are you going to say? I don't know. I'm, but I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to lure them in. I'm going to turn completely babyface. I'm on their side. Oh, my God, I wish CM Punk was... God damn it! You're going to say CM Punk, you wish he was here tonight? Yeah. Yeah, because I do. Because I do wish he was here tonight. And you want to know something? This guy, when he's out there, blames The Undertaker for Punk not being here. And I'm going to take that streak away from The Undertaker. And I just said, just give me 15 minutes. Just let me go out there. Let me lure them in. Let me take it away from them. And believe me, they'll stop trolling. They won't hijack this show. Because they'll get all their CM Punk chants out, and then they'll pay attention to the WrestleMania matches that we're promoting. I consider it a challenge. I like to be challenged. I like for someone to come up and do better promos than me, because it challenges me to do better promos. Now, Brock Lesnar would like to fight someone that can give him a legitimate fight in this world. That's why he wants to go back to UFC. I want to take on someone that can compete with me on this mic. I do. I want to take on an audience that doesn't make it easy for me. I want to see what I can be challenged and how good I can be, because my desire has been, since the day I got into this business, to be the best ever. I don't look around going, I'm the best ever! But in my heart, I feel that I am, but I want to know that I am. And I want to push myself to a limit to say, you know what? I'm pretty humble. I know, I, know, I know my flaws as a human being. I know the mistakes that I've made, but not 
done what I did tonight. And so when I went out there and I lured in that crowd and I just spoke to them, it wasn't, ladies and gentlemen, see her, punk is not here tonight. I talked to them. I came out in the first segment of Raw, which used to be high energy, and I just talked to them. And I lured them in. And I lured them in. And I spoke softly so that they leaned in to listen. And once I had them, I stuck it right up their ass. <laughs> and when I did, I knew I had them. And when they're sitting there going, when I said, Brock Lesnar, and out comes Brock Lesnar, and those people were willing to pay to see The Undertaker kick Brock Lesnar's ass because of what we did. And they stopped thinking about CM Punk, who simply wasn't around for us to make money with anymore.